0: Hello, I'm Bernard Nomberg with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you for stopping by the Nomberg Law Live Podcast. Each week we try to have interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. In this episode, I had a great discussion with Birmingham Attorney John McElhaney. John and his wife Leslie serve as foster parents in the Birmingham area. Foster parenting can be an emotional roller coaster and fulfilling for the parents and for the children. And John shares with us what it's like to be a foster parent. We hope you'll enjoy this episode of the Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review, and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. I want to welcome everybody to our Tuesday Nomberg Law Live. We do these each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific. I try to have interesting conversations with people right. in their areas of expertise. And I've got my buddy, attorney John, who's with me today. Hey, John, thanks for, for having some time for us today, bud.
1: Good morning, Bernard. I'm glad to
0: be here. Well, I am so glad that you're here with us. We've got a great topic, and no just for those of you who are worried, we're gonna be talking about the law, we're gonna stay away from that boring, sometimes boring topic. We are gonna be talking about what it means to be a foster parent. John and his wife, Leslie are foster, foster parents and it is, you hear that term, you hear foster parenting or foster care and everybody who hears that term may think of it a little bit differently. But for John and his wife, who currently are foster parents, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that journey and what it means. But John, before we jump into that, if you would share a little bit about yourself and your family, and then we'll uh, we'll tap into our topic. Sure.
1: Uh, Like you said, I am a lawyer here in town. Uh, I have been a lawyer for, I guess, 13 years now. Um, So you're right. That topic would be pretty boring. I prefer to talk about the kids. Uh, In addition to uh, my nine-to-five lawyer job, I have three children. Uh, I have a 13-year-old daughter that's in middle school, an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old son that are both in elementary school. We live in the Homewood area. Uh, They are at that stage of life where they have nine activities going at a time, so Leslie and I's schedule pretty much revolves around them. Um, this time of year, it's a lot of ball fields of softball and baseball, which we love. Uh, in addition to that, speaking of baseball, I know you're a baseball guy. Um, my first job out of college, I worked for the Baltimore Orioles and worked on their grounds crew for a little while. Oh, wow. uh, and that led me to law school up in Maryland. And then my wife and I had our first daughter up there and decided to move back home where both of us are from around Birmingham.
0: I did not know that about you. We may have to have round two of our conversation just talking about being on the grounds crew for the Orioles. That was, covered. Yeah. that was, I bet it was a lot of work, but I bet it was fun too for a little while. Whole lot of work, whole lot of fun
1: for $7 an hour and it was worth every penny. <laughs>
0: excellent, excellent. Well, let's uh, let's just talk about how, uh, how you and Leslie got, I guess, down that road of becoming foster parents. Share with us a little bit of that journey, if you will. Sure.
1: Uh, Well, Leslie and I, ever since we um, started talking seriously about having children, considered potentially adopting uh, a child from either domestically or internationally. Uh, We got married in 2005, and before we knew it, we had three kids in 7, 9, and 11. So really nowhere in there did we have time to slow down, go through the adoption process that takes years for plenty of folks and and a lot of money Uh, and so after we had three kids in about six or seven years of marriage we said you know what maybe three permanent children is where god wants us to be Uh, we felt very called that we're supposed to help the least of these the orphans and the children Uh, and so we said well what about foster care Uh, something that we had never considered because we had focused on adoption then we were able to talk to some of our good friends that had done it before. one family in town, uh, Bernard, that I know you're intimately familiar with her, uh Bart and Leslie Box. Box uh, pastor Box is a is a pastor in town. Uh, they've done it for years. We talked to them about it. They told us that it was a good option. So after prayerful consideration, uh, we decided that it was something that we might be called to do. And again, based on recommendations from our friends, we decided to go through an outside agency to allow them to connect us with foster children rather than Bernard going straight through state DHR. Um, The agency that we were recommended we ended up going through is called Alabama Baptist Children's Home or ABCH. They're located sort of the Hoover area. Uh, We are connected with them uh, and they actually have a pretty stringent um, onboarding process uh, for all foster parents, not just ABCH. But in order to be state qualified, you have to go through I believe it was either 10 or 12 weeks of in-class training and it ended up being over 30, almost 35 hours worth of in-class training. And then plenty of additional boxes to check. For example, uh, we had to be water certified. Um, We had to have our fingerprints done, stuff like that that would be required if the state is gonna give you a child and we certainly understand that. So all in all, Bernard, it actually took us about over 11 months, almost a full year from the time we decided to get into foster care to finalize the certification and be allowed from the state to be given a child.
0: I, I didn't appreciate that the process, I can understand it a little bit more now, but I didn't appreciate that the process took close to a year of just for, for eligibility purposes. But I bet there's <laughs> another, John, I bet there's another um, purpose for this as well. The, the length of time, maybe it's, to ensure that the parents who are jumping into this are truly committed to this process and not just um willy-nilly that's a terrible term but not you know it's i guess it would be easy to get cold feet or or change your mind but uh, that's gosh a whole year process that's a that's a that's a deal well and and to be candid it's not a year for everyone there were a few
1: steps in the process that Leslie and I probably dragged our feet a little bit on, you know, we didn't get our fingerprints, It took us a few weeks when it could have taken us a few days, that sort of thing. But your point about it giving potential foster parents the time to uh, really question their motives and determine if it's really something they want to do is accurate. Um, In fact, I give Alabama Baptist Children's Home a lot of credit. I would say every single class we went to, There was a heavy focus on you know sort of the paperwork side of the certification that you're required to do but they did a great job of intertwining that with the realities and kind of the grittiness the dirtiness of foster care so that no one would go into it with blinders on Uh, because there are a lot of times when you can see stories online um, a lot of really good organizations post tutorials of foster parents and children success stories Uh, And it really makes your heart feel good to read those stories. Uh, Bernard, I can promise you that behind every one of those feel-good stories, there's some really dirty, um, sad uh, stories that these children have been through, the families have been through. Uh, And so, yes, in our particular uh, certification class, I believe there were about 10 to 12 couples, and I'd say probably 75% of them ended up with children after the
0: class. John, share with us a little bit to the extent it's, I know we have a fine line in me, prying into your family and your family Mm decision-making, but if you would, how were the dynamics with your biological children in this decision-making and then bringing in a new child to the family home?
1: Yeah, Bernard, you're hitting on some some very uh, accurate and intimate points for these families that are trying to decide whether or not they're gonna do foster care. Um, And our story was essentially that Leslie and I um, felt called to do this. Uh, And so we sat our children down and we explained to them what foster care was. uh, And we asked them if they thought that they were called also. And all three of them at that point, they were fairly young. Our oldest was probably 10 uh, at that point. So that would have been about 10, seven and five, something like that. Didn't really understand it. Honestly, we didn't either. Bernard. we were sort of altruistic with it. They were as well. And so they said, sure, we'll help out a kid. Uh, and Bernard, at that point, um, we had an expectation that we were going to end up with a newborn child in our home. And so that was sort of the, um, the stories that we were telling our children, what to expect, you know, a new baby in, in the house. He's going to cry. He's going to wake up at night. He's going to need doctors changed. Uh, And they were all on board, right? And they're like, all right, dad, we'll help you throw away a dirty diaper whenever you need us to clean a bottle and that sort of stuff. Um, Little did they know. Little (laughs) did they know. Little did we know. um, We ended up, our first placement, Bernard, ended up being a one and a half year old child that we ended up having for two and a half years up until the point when he was almost four. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was a lot more active than a newborn. I promise you that. Uh, and, And by the end of our just shy of two and a half year stint with our um, foster child, all three of our children were tired. Um, they uh, could express it in their own ways um, that, you know, a nine year old can tell you they were kind of getting frustrated with the time uh, that we were spending with the toddler instead of them. Uh, and so sadly, it came to an end. Um, let's see, that would be last August. Um, was when our uh, first placement ended. Um, but it, it wore the kids down, it wore us down. It's, it's great, it's dirty.
0: It's, and that, that brings me to, to another thing I wanted to talk about. Fostering uh, from, a, from a family standpoint could mean, but doesn't necessarily mean that the child will be permanently placed with you guys. In fact, is it fair to say that in most instances, it's not a permanent home or permanent family that the child who's being fostered remains with the parents or the family that's fostering
1: sure bernard i don't know the statistics about whether or not it's it's more or less likely i know that the state and um, any organization that helps with um, putting foster children in homes uh, asks all the time, wants you to be very upfront with them whether or not you are a permanent placement for a potential foster child or not. Uh, Leslie and I from day one have felt called to just be temporary um, foster parents. Uh, and so the state and Alabama Baptist Children's Home knew that we were uh, just a temporary placement. Um, our particular foster son uh, ended up throughout the course of the two and a half years that we had him again, just ugly situation, but his. Um, biological mother, who was the only parent in the picture, she did end up losing her rights to uh, be a, her parental rights. Uh, and so at that point, it was incumbent upon us to have to tell the state again whether or not we were willing to keep this child that we had had for two years. We loved him like our own son. You know, that's a hard conversation to have um, with ourselves and with the state that says, you know, guys, we really do love this kid. Um, We've given him everything we can for two years, but we really don't feel like he's ours forever. We don't feel like he was ever meant to be ours forever. And so at that point, the state started looking for a family that was willing to be a foster home that could turn into a permanent home.
0: And gosh, John, uh, we we only have a limited 30 minutes or so Mm -hmm. for us to chat today or otherwise we could we could talk for the next couple of hours about decision-making and how it impacts uh, the children, the parents, and the child being fostered. There's so many places to go, but I want to, I want to pivot because you've now brought up uh, the next, um, I guess, topic I wanted to head toward. And that was the finding the forever family Mm -hmm. and the organization that you're now involved in that is, uh, intimately, and in my family has been involved in for, gosh, it's it's almost 20 years since Heart Gallery, Alabama was created and founded, and has done such magnificent work over the last more than 15 years, mm-hmm. coming on, 18, 19 years. And John, tell folks a little bit about Heart Gallery and your involvement, and we'll just shed a little little light on them for a few minutes. Sure.
1: Uh, Heart Gallery of Alabama is an organization located uh, in Homewood that takes foster children who are looking for permanent homes and essentially puts a spotlight on them for families looking to adopt children, domestic children, obviously. These are all uh, Alabama placements. uh, And what they do is they get volunteer photographers to go out with these foster children and just do these beautiful photo shoots with these children, just acting like models. It's awesome to see. Uh, And they come back with just some amazing photos. Uh, And then what Heart Gallery of Alabama does is they take these photos and they make a spread for these children. Obviously there's a website that folks can search, but also they do physical uh, examples of these children. They take them to malls, they take them to uh, the Barron's game once a year, the Biscuits game in Montgomery. I think they're trying to do the trash pandas up in, uh, in Huntsville as well. We're kind of trying to expand across the state. Um, but it's literally a gallery of beautiful children with our fingers crossed in our prayers that the right adoptive permanent family walks by, sees one of these beautiful pictures of the children and says, you know what, that's my child. I didn't even know it, but that's, their, that's who they are. That's what I needed. Uh, and then um, they're able to put the connection together with the forever family, the child, uh, and that's when DHR gets involved in, and they put placements together all the time, almost weekly. We're putting families together and it's a beautiful thing. It
0: it really, it really is. I've just put in the comments section to our talk, the website for Heartland, Alabama. Michelle Behrman-Walnick is the executive director and has done just just a magnificent job. They have photographed thousands of children mm-hmm. over the years, placed hundreds of children with their forever families. And I know you're now on the board and involved uh, with it. And John, if you would talk a little bit about from the, not from the standpoint of being on the board, but being a foster family and getting involved with Heart Gallery.
1: Sure, Uh, we were foster parents before I even knew about Art Gallery of Alabama. Frankly, I've driven by it thousands of times and never really even noticed it or knew what it was. And then my relationship with you and your brother, David, uh, your partner at Nodmark Wall, um, is what got me involved with Hart Gallery. David is currently the board president. Uh, I think he has been for a year or so. I'm not exactly sure of his timeline, but he has explained to me and you've explained to me that you have previously held that position. Uh, You have been intimately familiar with uh, uh, Hart Gallery of Alabama for years. Um, And David and I were having lunch one day and we found out I was a foster parent. He um, just sort of started asking me if it was something I would be interested in helping out with. And I said, of course, I'd love to be involved with an organization that is doing nothing but putting uh, children with otherwise no home, permanent home. And so I joined the board about 18 months ago. Uh, And as we all know, that was right on the front end of the COVID pandemic before we knew it was gonna happen. And so my first year on the board of Heart Gallery Alabama was spent primarily, number one, learning, uh, figuring out what all they do, uh, what all board members are expected to do and how I could help, Uh, but also uh, helping the board determine how to run a nonprofit organization that is solely uh, uh, dependent on people interacting with one another in a time when people can't interact with one another. Yeah. challenging uh, to say the least. <laughs> it was, but they've, they've done a great job. Uh, you mentioned um, Michelle is the executive director, works there full-time and has for years. I believe she was uh, one of the originar- originators of Heart Gallery, Alabama. Um, she uh, steers the ship and she does it phenomenally.
0: And I know that in September is the annual event at the Barron's uh, Game. So if people want to get involved with Heart Gallery, I have put the, the website uh, but if they want to become more involved, I would, I would suggest that you just go through their contact information. They also have a very active um, Facebook group or Facebook page. Uh, and, John, we've got just a couple of more minutes, and I appreciate your time and sharing y'all's journey and experience. And for those of you who are just joining us or may watch us later, I'm talking with Birmingham attorney and friend John McElhaney, and he and his wife Leslie are foster parents here in Birmingham, and they're sharing, John is sharing some of their story. Let's talk about that part for just a a few more minutes, John. uh, You and Leslie made a decision that it was the thing that was best for your family, and you wanted to head down that road of becoming foster parents, and you go through a pretty rigorous and lengthy uh, process, but what about, let's talk about I guess this you talked, you said earlier, of uh, the, the not so glamorous part of mm-hmm. foster parent, or frankly, of being a parent uh, can, can be uh, pretty, pretty bad at times. Of course, it has its awesome rewards, but it does have its challenges. But what if you get into a situation, and I don't know if you've had this or, or heard of this, but what if you get into a situation where you just have a child who you're fostering, is just not a good fit for your family, for whatever the reason, it doesn't matter for this. But how do you deal with that? How do you uh, deal with the state agencies that you're dealing with? What goes on there in case it's just not a good situation for the family or for the child?
1: Sure. Uh, It happens
0: all the time, Bernard, unfortunately. Um,
1: The state agency, DHR, and any outside organization like ABCH or any other one, has protocols in place to allow these foster children to end up in the homes that they need to be in. Sometimes it's just not yours, right? Uh, And so, you know, the practical side of things is usually there's like a 30 day notice period where you hold on to the child while they continue to look for a a new foster home for the child. Um, But the more emotional side of things is the hard thing. That's the gritty stuff. Um, And I'll tell you what, you know, um, being a foster parent really, really popped our suburban bubble real quick, Bernard. Um, It did it for our children also, which we think is a benefit to them, exposing them to some realities that they otherwise wouldn't have seen. Uh, And it opens up conversations with friends, family, uh, our children uh, about why this child is in our house. We had really detailed conversations um, with some young biological children, five, six years old, about um, drug use, uh, maternal drug use, uh, about the consequences of that. Um, and we were asked point blank um, by our children whether or not our children would ever have to go to another family uh, like our foster child had to. Again, just some hard conversations that opened up some really good lines of communication. Uh, But if it ever gets to the point where the child and the family are just not right for one another, you can get out of it. The child can get out of it. Uh, There are ways. Uh, Sadly, Bernard, Part of the problem is there's just not enough foster parents. Um, A lot of people um, give a whole lot of time for these children. Uh, I forgot the statistics, they're they're mind boggling when you see them though about the need versus um, the availability of foster parents and foster children. the the anecdotal example I guess would be after we went through our lengthy process of being certified, we finally got word on a Friday afternoon that we were certified. Um, we had a child in our home before I got home from work following Monday, so less than 24 hours of business uh, of a business day, uh, and we had a kid. So um, as soon as somebody gets certified, they're going to fill them up.
0: Well, John, let's talk about that in our final remaining minutes. What if I live in a rural part of the state? I don't live in one of the big cities. Mm -hmm. I don't have access immediately to a lot of what the bigger cities offer by way of support. How can those parents, and frankly for any parent, doesn't matter people wherever you live, how can those people start the process, get involved? Is there a website? Is there a a department? You'd mentioned Department of Human Resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as other entities, how would you suggest people just start the process when they've made up their mind, this is what they, they want to do? Sure. Well, that's a deep dive for sure. Once you decide to do this,
1: uh, you can just go to Alabama State uh, Department of Human Resources and they can guide you through the website about what, who you need to contact in your particular area. Uh, most um, areas, even if they are rural, They will be covered by a geographic area from some outside organization like Alabama Baptist Children's Home that I keep mentioning just because that's who we used. But there are dozens of those types of services and organizations um, that can really facilitate the relationship between foster parents and the state. It was a benefit to us, um, and I would imagine it's a benefit to plenty of people who decide to do this. Uh, Importantly, Bernard, there are also ways to help foster parents if you don't feel called to be a foster parent. Um, you can just Google um, you know, ways to help. There are things like respite care, which is vital, which means, uh, for example, uh, as a foster parent, I'm not allowed to take my foster child out of the state of Alabama because he is a ward of the state. Mm-hmm. And so if my family was going to travel to visit my sister in Maryland or something, um, we would have to leave the foster child here. And He would have to be left with someone approved by the state, and that's called a respite family. We would leave the child for the weekend, face time with him a couple of times while we were gone, uh, and then come back and he was still ours. So that's an example of something that you can do if you're not willing to dive to
0: the deep end of foster care. You can dip your toe in. That's right. Uh, But yeah, from a logistics, I didn't think about that, about travel and certain things. There are some real logistics there that you have to, as a foster parent, uh, or involved in this at all that you really have to take into consideration. And John, I found the the, the link in the DHR Alabama's mm-hmm. website for foster care, so I've added that to our comments Thank you. section here. Uh, John, if somebody who's watching this wants to to ask you uh, either for some advice or to maybe that you can send them in a similar direction for some. Uh, to get feedback you know just to start the process how can folks uh, reach out to you
1: sure uh, i'd love to talk to anybody whether or not their current foster parents or considering foster care uh, grab coffee grab lunch have a phone call um it's a uh a topic that leslie and i are passionate about so i'd love to keep talking but um email is the best way um john john at com. that's m-c-e-l H-E-N-Y, or you could just Google John McElhinney
0: and I'll pop up, email me, call me, do whatever you need to. Well, John, before we get out of here, I want to ask you to to share with us maybe one uh, poignant, funny, uh, emotional, something good uh, event that has occurred uh, with your experiences as as being a foster uh, parent.
1: Well, the absolute most rewarding part uh, is seeing how many hearts our foster son opened in our community. It was unbelievable, the support we received for our foster care. The people weren't helping us with our biological children, right? They, they just had such a willingness to help and give, uh, to help uh, little baby Jays, what we call them. Uh, anything they could do to help, um, no one ever spared an ounce of energy or, or dollars if they needed to. Um, and it really showed me that everybody has a desire to help our children
0: and it was beautiful to see. Well, John, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us today and sharing your journey and, and a real glimpse, a real insight look at what it's about to be a foster parent. So thank you for what you and Leslie have done up to now, and I'm sure will continue as well as your involvement with Heart Gallery. So thank you, my friend.
1: Hey, Bernard, thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: the plug for Heart Gallery. It's a beautiful organization. And if folks want to click the link, they can learn a whole lot about it. Absolutely, guys. And as I try to do every Tuesday at 10 o'clock Central, interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. And you heard it right here from John McElhaney about being a foster parent. So thank you guys, as always, for the support, the comments, the questions, the views, etc. We'll come back to you again next week, next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central with another great conversation. Y'all have a safe week. Take care.